Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by you know who, Rob. You're a wizard, Jason. And um, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Check out my wand. That's not appropriate. That Welcome. is not appropriate. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Yes. Now, this episode of Rewind and Review, we'll look at the fantasy film, which was the start of a cinematic phenomenon. <laughs> Always struggle with that word. For not, for, I can't even say it. Phenomenon, whatever. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Uh, turning 20 years old this year. And it's based on a series of best selling novels. This movie became a film franchise which has since spanned 10 entries. 10, right. 10. So grab your wand, not mine, pack your birdie <laughs> buds, every flavour beans, pour some butter beer, and put on your invisibility cloak as we rewind to the year. 2001. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance. Year 2001, Reese Witherspoon became a lawyer. Mark Wahlberg <laughs> landed on the Planet of the Apes. Mm. The Mummy returned, yes. and the Fellowship of the Ring was formed. It was also the year that the Wizarding World came to life in the very first Harry Potter film, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, also known as Harry Potter and the and the Sorcerer's Stone in the, some uh, territories. The US, US probably only. The um, US only. You know, you definitely yep. only the US? Cool. Yeah, so I mean, behind that, they, weirdos. J, J.K. <laughs> Rowling, because she was kind of a freshman with all of this, kind of felt pressured and kind of actually purposefully... And she would have fought it otherwise. And regrets it a little uh, bit. Because um, she kept on getting you feedback from the US saying, why didn't you call it the Philosopher's Stone? I don't understand. But it, it's like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Anyway, so this film, uh, directed by Chris Columbus, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, was based on J.K. Rowling's 1997 novel of the same name. It's produced by David Heyman with a screenplay by Steve Cloves. This is the first instalment of the Harry Potter film series. Harry Potter, played by Daniel Radcliffe, learns on his 11th birthday that he is the orphan son of two powerful wizards and possesses unique magical powers of his own. He is summoned from his life as an unwanted child to become a student at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. There he meets several friends who become the closest allies and help him discover the truth about his parents' mysterious deaths. Be warned that if you haven't seen Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone yet, there are some. Don't laugh. Um, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to this episode. We will be talking spoilers. Absolutely. Now, Rob. Yeah. Harry Potter. Mm. What does the, the franchise, the character, what does magic mean to you? Do you believe in magic? Sorry. Well, I'm a very cynical human being, Jason, so no, I don't believe in magic, but... I do believe in the Harry Potter series. So, and what I mean by that is, it is brilliant. I love it. I'm actually a huge fan. I think maybe not anywhere near as a big fan as you and your lovely wife, but 
I know that I, I personally, yeah, it might be a guilty pleasure. I might even <laughs> call it a guilty pleasure, I guess. So I saw this. Um, uh, I guess I saw this movie. I didn't see it in cinemas. I saw it uh, on a DVD release, I think it was. That was the first time I watched it. And we did, I guess we just kind of kept on watching it here and there. When the new movies kept on coming out, I started watching it in different orders and all of that. But um, I didn't start reading the books, but I've read the whole series. I think I watched this movie, then I started reading the books. And at that point, they were only up to book four, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so then I would read the book on release and watch the movie on release, even though they were kind of out of sync a little bit. So, but it all kind of wrapped up. So I, I think I'd finished... Yeah, the last book was released two or three years before Deathly Hallows, I think. Something like that. But um, I, yeah, I love it. I love this. I, but I'm very, very interested to see how much <laughs> you love this. I mean, um, I, look, I, I, I'll say... I'm, I'm quite fond of these Harry Potter movies. Like, mm. I really enjoy them. Um, you know, like, they're... Let's just say now, like, mm-hmm. they're pretty... They're pretty well done. They are. Um, but, like, you mentioned, you know, my wife being a little bit crazy in terms of Harry <laughs> Potter, and you threw me in there as well. Just because I'm married to her doesn't mean I share all, all of her levels of love and stuff for, for such things. Um, I She is she is the... Um, she's the Harry Potter nut in the, in the family... It's, but because I have so many fandoms myself, I just I decided to let her have a dedicated part of the house to Harry Potter. We like we literally have it's wallpapered. There's yep. there's shelving, there's merchandise, there's a giant Lego there's Hogwarts over the thing. Wall. There's yeah. wands. They're very goddamn expensive, but you know I like this. So, you know Christmas uh, gifts and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, she's got a nice, pretty cool Harry Potter thing in our house. So yeah. if anyone does walk in. They would assume it's all my shit, so... But it's... No, no, no. So I give all that credit to her. Um, but yeah, of course, like, I mm. I really do quite like the movies. Um, so much that I'm, a, I'm... I was willing to obviously have a dedicated space <laughs> for the franchise here. When it comes to the books, though, if you know me, there's only a fair few handful of novels I've actually read and completed. Because of ability or interest? I mean, I, I do... I can read quite well. It's, <laughs> I don't think it's ability. I just... I don't know. It's probably an attention thing. I'm just not really a reader. It's just a thing. Right. Uh, I'm a movie guy. I'm an entertainment visual kind of... Both in terms of learning and entertainment. I'm the, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, I'm right. a visual, visual person. Um, mm. So I've never actually read a Harry Potter book. Holy crap. Like, we have all the Harry Potter books in my house. Like, they're here. I have access to them. There's nothing stopping me. I've never, I've just never read one. I think I've had the first book probably read to me. Like, you know, when Mm. we were in school, you know, it was like the new big thing. But the movies is where it's at for me. Um, Just very quickly, I mean, like you, I think I watched the first one. It might have been VHS or DVD. I don't know, but it was at home. Yeah. The second film, Chamber of Secrets, was the first one I watched at the cinema. Yeah. And then. For some reason, and it was probably just the age I was at, it was like I wasn't doing cinema trips. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't drawn that much to the Harry Potter franchise as much. Yeah. But I didn't start catching up on the movies until I think... I think it was probably Order of the Phoenix. Oh, okay. So it was, you know, we were getting on. We were like in the second half of the series. Yeah. Um, and, you mm. know, like I, I went and rented out like the DVDs and stuff to catch up. Yeah. Um, and the... I couldn't find. I think I couldn't find Order on the Phoenix on on bloody DVD, so I had to rent the Blu-ray, which you know yeah. costs a little bit more from Video Easy. So I was like, <laughs> sons of bitches. <laughs> and then I think it was that movie that actually opened my eyes to the quality 
yeah. of HD Blu-ray. All right. And I was like, is it this disc or is it this movie? Because this is amazing. It's a beautiful looking movie. And maybe it's given me a bit of bias because Order of the Phoenix, Order of the Phoenix, is is my favorite Harry Potter movie. It's just like all the stuff with. What's her name? The evil pink lady from the Ministry of Magic. It's just yeah, so much, so much hateful aggression towards it. I just I love it. Umbridge. Umbridge. Yeah. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Favorite Harry Potter movie. Can't remember the name of the woman. Well done. Um, but yeah, maybe it was the Blu-ray thing. But anyway, like from then on, it was like, nope. I'm seeing these movies in the cinema, and then yeah. as the series wound it up, yeah, it was cool because everyone was like, I've read all the books. I know what happens, and I'm like, I'm gonna go watch the last Harry Potter movie. I have no idea how this ends. All right. Oh, that would I feel have been like an amazing have, experience. Yeah, it's a different. It's not something everyone can really say because, like you and a lot of people, hey, a lot of people have read the books. So yeah. I like to think I had my own little unique journey. Probably isn't that interesting, but that was <laughs> me and Potter. Yeah. We go, we go back a bit, but um, it was rocky at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, I, you know, because I'm, I'm you know, I'm only a few years older than technically what Harry Potter is, given the release date of the books and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of followed the progression. And you know how the books and the movies both become progressively older and, and um, more, mature. more mature. Yeah. So I was along with that journey, but maybe just a couple of years older than that. But either way, I was uh, I I was in step with it all. Once, I, once I'd started reading the books, it was in, I was in, in time with it all. I think that's probably, that's probably the same for a lot of, um, you know, like the fans and stuff, as they were growing up with both mm. the books and then like all the films as well. In, I mean, they all get darker and more mature and they go yeah. into different sort of themes and stuff like that. It's like, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. as the characters are aging, yeah. so are their stories and so yeah. is the drama and the action and the, mm. you know, the turmoil. Yeah, absolutely. All of that. So, yeah, very and, cool. Oh, so, yeah, I guess, so we both have an appreciation for this. Do you know who also has an appreciation for this? Friend of the pod, uh, Ben and Steph, and it is Ben's birthday today. Oh, Wow. Which well, you, so happy birthday, Ben! Wait, by the way, that's not going to be when you hear this. I'm sure you'll hear it later. That was a few days ago. Um, it's currently this day right now as we record. Yes, yes. but if, if he's listening to us in the future, the people listen to this. It was a few days ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a few days ago, indeed. It was. Um, and we won't give the actual date out just in case <laughs> right. someone decides to look into it more and try and create like, some sort of identity fraud. So we don't need to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, oh, cool. Yeah, like we said, we're both. Fans, excellent, sweet. Right. Well, let's get into a bit of the uh, legacy yeah. of this then. And as we do, we start with um, the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, the budget, $125 million, um, brought in a box office return. <laughs> now, we need to bear in mind that this is based on also re-releases, re-releases yeah. and all that kind of fun stuff. But, again, $125 million production budget, $1.007 billion worldwide. It's insane. Just this movie. Not the franchise. Just, just this, this movie. movie. So this broke a number of box office records, including including highest opening weekend ever mm. in the UK and Ireland, uh, multiple single day records in different territories, um, and also the highest opening weekend of all time in US and Canada at the time, of course. Amazing. Um, and there was a whole bunch of various other overseas yeah. records broken. I mean, can you can you remember, like, how old were you in, in 2001? Can you remember? I was t- 11. Right. So at this point when this came out, I was... What was I? 27. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was 65 and retired. Um, <laughs> no, no, I was uh, It was mid-high school, so I think it was like year 9 or 10, something like that. So I was, like I said, I was about three or four years older than the characters. In, so, But um, 
uh, I remember pot, like just Potter frenzy. I just remember it being madness yeah. when this came out, like all over in Australia here, but all over the world. Like this is crazy. Now, um, anyway, I'm in right. So look how much money it bloody made. So it became the high, uh, second highest grossing film in history, um, which you kind of said. I wanted to. We did say that it had a re-release. When it was re-released, it was the it held the second highest grossing film of all time. Um, yeah, the second highest, only beaten by Titanic. And I right. think that was you know, pre-Avatar and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So for a moment there, other than Titanic being the winning of all winnings, you know, forever, this this really, really had like the, you know, it, it, it took the cake. So, yeah. Um, and oh, you've got here as well, the second highest grossing Harry Potter film after Deathly Hallows. That's interesting, isn't it? Like strong start, bit of a medium ground and then perking on the way back and up. then just like an epic mm. epic finale they oh. pit, they'd swooped up all their fans and then you know got it done in the end mm-hmm. it's all good everyone just wanted to be there for the last hurrah um, not that any of the other films <laughs> in the f- series were like bombs or anything no no no, 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 no but like this went next level this went next level yeah. um, but yes yeah, so this film I mean yeah very strong start um, speaking critically though um, just an overview here Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone mm. um, adapts its source material faithfully while condensing the novel's overstuffed narrative into an involving and often downright exciting big screen magical caper I mean generally speaking people and critics were having fun with this it was big scale lots mm. of fun engaging good characters i mean like yeah it's magic mate it's magic it's It's a magical world our mate um who we have of course on speed dial at any time um (laughs) roger ebert called it a classic giving the film a very rare and coveted four out of four stars brilliant rotten tomatoes gave it 81 percent uh from 200 reviews it's an average of 7.1 out of 10 um, and Metacritic gave it 64 out of 100 out of 36 reviews. The cinema score was an A. It's an A-grade film. A-grade. A-grade. Do they do A-pluses? I don't know. But A's still pretty good. I'd say they I'm do not, do A-pluses. All right, awards. There are a few things to mention here. It received three Academy Award nominations. Mm-hmm. Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score. Uh, from John Williams, who we will speak we'll talk about, about shortly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it was nominated for seven BAFTA awards. Um, that's like the British something mm-hmm. film, all that kind of stuff. British yeah. something 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 association. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think films in there. That's, yeah, that's it was a film. Um, <laughs> and it was nominated for eight Saturn awards, and it won best costume. So it's insane. Time. It's insane. I think one of the um the I would talk about special effects later, of course, but one of the seven BAFTAs was special effects. Um, as well, visual effects. Interesting. Sure. So, but it's interesting that it won best costume. Very cool. Okay, franchise. So we discussed. There's lots of books. There's lots of films. There's a film for each book, and then there's two films for one of them. Sure is. <laughs> and then there's three films, soon to be five, for another book. For another book, and then there's there's a book based on a screenplay, oh, and there's a live. Stage musical based on that mm, yeah. book I haven't read screenplay, any of that stuff, or, or is that book based on the screenplay for that play? I can't remember. Was it Cursed Child or something? The Cursed Child, yeah. yeah. Interesting. But anyway, we'll go through the films. We'll, we'll focus on that for a bit. Um, so you do have the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone, whichever you want to call. That was 2001. That's what we're talking about today, directed by Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus returned in 2001 again for uh, Chamber of Secrets. Then you had Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which was released in 2004 by Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron? 
Curon. I can never pronounce his name. Just go confidence, man. Remember yeah, what I always that's say. Right. Just, just commit to it. <laughs> now, I've done three, you do the rest. That's fair trade, fair trade. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire in 2005, directed by Mike uh, Newell. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix direct, uh, in 2007, directed by David Yates. And it's curious to know that from here on out... It's all Yatesy. Yates is the man, so everything man. kind of becomes pretty consistent yeah, in absolutely. terms of tone, quality, and well, look, um, the would, clothes that all of the characters are wearing. I would <laughs> say, though, mostly, actually, I think David Yates takes a lot of the aesthetics from Goblet of Fire and then brings it forward. So I think that informed the rest of the series before Yates took it on. That's a fair mm. observation. Very yeah. nice. Continue. Oh, okay, go on. okay, cool. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince in 2009. Once again, of course, uh, David Yates. Um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 in 2010. Mm-hmm. Of course, David Yates. And finishing it all up, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part, part two, 2 in 2011. Can I remember when that was uh, announced that they were going to do a like a two-parter for the last book, and I was so happy. I was like, "Yes!" And then they, amazing. and then it sort of like started this trend of like YA novels or like yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. movie adaptions. Like the, the finale, yeah, like Twilight. They had they had Hunger um, Games two Hunger movies. Games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I was I was putting money on like the Maze Runner would do it. But have they even got to their last book? I don't know. Maze Runner's done. Is it done? Four movies, yeah. Was it, and then that was just four books? Yeah. yeah. Wife oh. of the Pod, Laura and I. Well, they ruled the trend, recently. They? Yeah, they did. Well, I mean, they kind of had to... Like, I mean, old mate Dylan O'Brien almost died. Like, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so not that that stopped them from doing two. But anyway. Uh, then you also have Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, another Yatesy. So Yatesy's, yeah, that's right. He's all the way through of these as well. That's 2016. You got Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of uh, Grindelwald in 2018, and Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore coming out in 2022. All based on the novella, The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Is that what it is? It's a novella. It's tiny, man. It really is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, because isn't the because the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a book within the Harry Potter yeah, universe. It's like right? a, it's um it's like on the curriculum of the stu- for the students. Yeah, and it was yeah. written by the character who's played by. That, that Ready, um, Eddie Ed, Ed, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Newt Scamander. Um, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, they, it's interesting how they were like, hey, let's expand this. But watching that first Fantastic Beast movie, you know, like it's set in America. It's like instead of the, instead of like a British Harry Potter world, mm. it's, a, it's, it's American. the American side. You know, it's away from Harry Potter. Although they, something new. they keep bringing it back. Like they, well, the, they link it. The like, second one, it's like, hey, we're going to Hogwarts. Oh, okay, here we go. I mean, they, <laughs> they bring in Albus Dumbledore, so they have to do that, you know. Yeah, he's not. He wasn't exactly running around New York, you know. Like, I mean, he may have been, but he wasn't. I can't remember which movie it is, but there's like one. There, there's one of the Harry Potter movies where they reference a traveler from America who had brought in like a, um, like a, a I can't remember what it was, like a, a mouse or a rat or some sort of creature or something. Right. And I'm like, is that, are they talking about Newt? It's probably about... Newt. And I'm like, oh, that's it's probably it. Newt. So everything's all pretty. I must, fun. I must say, even though I know, and when I say novella, I, I don't even really mean it that because I don't think it actually reads as a novel. It's actually a fact book, like a book of the yeah. Actual, it's like yeah. A, it's so, a reference book, isn't it? Yeah, like that's a, right. Yeah, but it's of like you know that size. Um, but um, I really like what they're doing with those movies, even though there's plenty of critics with the sheer scope of that series or franchise. It's just expanding the world that we kind of enjoy. Yeah, so I, I don't look, mind it. I got no issues. Yeah. Bring it on. You know, we, Give me more. We, we talked about the box of return or just the one movie. You know, if we were to look into the 
returns of the entire franchise, not just the films, but yeah. then like continued merchandise and the expanding yeah. fandom, which we're about to jump in and talk about cultural impact. Mm. It's like, why would you end this film series? You would just keep it going as yeah. much. And even People as, want it and they're happy to pay for it. Even just recently, Chris uh, Columbus has actually come out and said that he's actually interested mm. or he's wanting to get the sort of the original cast back together to do an adaption of The Cursed Child for for film, mainly because it it's, like, timely. They, mm. the, the actors are the age that they would be if they yeah. were to do it. So he's... This is all very new stuff, though, so long that we probably won't eventually into anything, but who knows? You we know could what, get a reunion special kind of movie. If you could imagine the amount of money... It'd be pretty crazy. Like, people will spend money to go see that. I think know. the only way they do it is if... At least the core actors, mm. and we're talking like the trio, yeah, Ron, Hermione, and mm. Harry. <laughs> Probably should have started with Harry. <laughs> like they, if they all come back, Ron Granger in the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> Ron Ground <laughs> Granger, did I say Ron Weasley? <laughs> well, they got married. Maybe he took her name. You don't know. I don't think you do. I think it's canon that there. It's Gran- Weasley Granger. Yeah, Weasley Granger. Yeah. yeah anyway, we do that. All right, let's talk cultural impact before we talk about the movie itself. Um, so its side is having helped uh, redefine the Hollywood blockbuster in the 21st century by initiating a shift towards um, established media franchises, which kind of formed the basis of those successful films. And we see that, you know, in so many things, especially young adult fiction, kind of. So the new wave of yeah. franchises that came out of that. Everything is like, hey, mm. money me uh, an IP. Mm. Something that's popular elsewhere, let's turn it into a movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, all happening. Yeah, all through the you know the two thousands and you know twenty tens. I don't. Is that so? Yeah, you said Maze Runner. It's still kind of happening, isn't it? Like young adult fiction. What's what's the what's the kind of most newest yeah, version of that? I mean, there was that, following Harry Potter. Like when we said it, Twilight, Hunger Games, Maze Runner. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were probably like the big ones. A few other ones have sort of had like a single movie and didn't really think the it would host take and off. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I don't know. And but now there's. There's sort of alternatives now. There's like why I know it's getting turned into TV shows on streaming mm. services and stuff like that. So there's other avenues to yeah, sort of do that's the right. same. And a lot of those of like thing. fantasy space and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, clearly. So the landscape's changing, so we're moving away a little bit from that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but but still, like early 2000s and, and 10s and stuff, like. Yeah. It was YA novels. Let's go to them. Let's. What other kids' books can we turn into billion-dollar franchises? Yeah, multi-billion-dollar franchises. And then milk it, milk it, milk it, milk it as much as you can. Although they're all enjoyable, but I don't read YA anymore, obviously. Mm. So I wouldn't actually have a clue of the current. I mean, like what, what's actually <laughs> what's out popular? There? What's yeah. popular? Like, mm. make a Where's Wally book, maybe. Where's Wally? <laughs> that's my that's my <laughs> standard. Um, but look, mentioned it. You know, in the Anna intro, like yeah. the the pop culture phenomenon not that hard of a word you you got this Um, much like the book series the films became just that a pop culture phenomenon and one of the biggest fandoms in the world I've already mentioned merchandise you know you see people cosplaying fan fiction Um, you know the list keeps going just like this is video games coming out have you seen that new one coming out Um, it's on PS5 but it's also like a massive online thing I think it is Basically, you go, go to Hogwarts and it happens uh, like 200 years before. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, and it's, okay. I, I don't, I'm not aware. I'm not aware. I think, yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but it is, it's canon. Well, yeah. not canon, but it's within the same franchise, same branding, same right, um, film yeah. rights and all that. But it's, yeah, 200, based 200 
years before any of the, these events. So it just references the same locations and things, but completely different people. That sounds a-okay mm. to me. But I mean, like when we talk normally about like, okay, like this this franchise is popular. Usually, you know, we're talking about us. We're like, oh look, it's popular for us. Like obviously, yeah. it's been pretty successful. But this is something else. This is Harry freaking Potter. Mm. Like, where do we start with Potter mania? Yeah, Potter mania. This is like. I don't know. It was such a huge thing, and it still is. Twenty mm. years on since this first movie, twenty-four years since the first book. Yeah. Um, and I think you mentioned before though the show. It's like you know, like, do you think there was a you know? You asked the question. Do you think that the books became more popular as the movies were coming out? If I was a reading mm. man, I probably would have, you know, lent towards trying to read the books and stuff. Yeah. But so I'm sure other people surely. Mm. Surely, and then they just corresponded and just made it even bigger. Well, that's what I think. I think we're talking about a snowball effect here because it captured. It was just a perfect timing for a certain generation who, who were still into reading, but were moving very much into the different medias and stuff as well. And the similar to like, well, not quite the same with the Game of Thrones concept, where you know books being released and something's being built, and and nobody knows what's coming. So they want to get right, the book yeah. immediately, and then they want to see the movie that comes out almost a year later or within that I kind of realm. I guess they did. They did yeah. kind of catch up. <laughs> well, they did. I, I think, yeah, the last one was... Yeah, I can't remember the full time one. It was a but year I know or so. That you, yeah, yeah, you definitely read... definitely knew what was happening before the movie happened. But just so. crazy, like, what a machine. What a machine. Mm. It was its thing. Absolutely. So anyway, yeah, apparently this film's got a, a bit of a legacy. So, cool. Um, let's talk about the movie. Yeah, cool. Let's start with, I guess, its inception and where it all came about. Like, you know, mm. like obviously we we've addressed that it was based on a book, yeah. um, J.K. Rowling. It was is interesting to I read that she had had to she was actually I think she was up to her third or fourth book when she was trying to shop it around to she's like, well, maybe someone could make something of this, mm. go to different studios and stuff. Um, and Warner Brothers eventually, I think it's approximately also it's been reported one million pounds. Oh really? For the rights to make Movie. films yeah. for the first four books, far out. One million pounds, and how much did this movie gross? One bazillion. One <laughs> one bazillion. Yeah, that absolutely. is an accurate uh, number. <laughs> um, that did come come with caveats though. So, um, Rowling, there was also they basically said to um, was it David Hayman? Is that the producer? Was it? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Um, the cast had to be British. Like, it was not negotiable. Yeah, except so, for when it came to, like, oh, we actually need a French character or a yeah. Russian character. And so obviously, you had to, like, Goblet of Fire and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, it's much more... Because there was, like... There was... I mean, I've read things about, like, you know, at some point, they wanted to cast, like, Robin Williams in a particular yeah. role or something like that. Um, and it was just, like, no. Yeah, but it's good because you no, watch... they were interested. So, um, Robin Williams and there was another person I read when we were researching. Another, like, A-list yeah. American com- comedian, I think. Um, but, yeah, they were flatly kind of told no because of this, this caveat that Rowling put out there. It's cool because you can sit back and watch like these these movies and it's like it's pretty much like anyone who's done anything in in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. whether it's you know England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, whatever like mm. if they're a name odds are they're in this movie. <laughs> like it's like yeah. they're in Harry Potter, they're in Harry Potter, they're in Harry Potter. Oh, it, it, everybody, every yeah, it's amazing. it's amazing. it's like it's like what the MCU is doing right now with Hollywood A listers. Yeah, it's like you, you, like everyone's they, in the they're MCU. running out of bloody. <laughs> no, no, they're gonna have to just like start reusing them because we're running out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like Ron Atkinson's like probably the only British person that isn't Ron Atkinson and Hugh Grant. 
Actually, there's quite a lot. I'm like thinking all these things. But there is like they, you can tell. Well, if you think about it, just yeah, the sheer number of um, cast members that have dialogue or feature and are credited, you know, and just that caveat that Raylan put on there saying has to be British, like you. They have pretty much got almost everybody, except yeah. maybe some of those. They, like, they couldn't really have Hugh, Hugh Grant or anything, because it would completely detract from... Like, it'll, he would distract from what's going on. Because it's not about him, it's about the the, the, the younger characters. Not necessarily. I, I can see Hugh Grant as, like, a like someone on the Ministry of Magic. Oh, you yeah. know, like a suit. Just, like, high up. Just, just saying some snarky lines. I mean, that's what they get. That's does. what they do with Bill Nye, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Um, um, some other things. I just wanted to point out some other things, like from a development point of view. Um, so, uh, I have my, oh yeah. So Steven Spielberg was originally like they were going to do an animated film. Steven well, Spielberg that's what was going to direct it. Yeah. When they were approaching him to do, to potentially take it on, he was saying like he would like to have seen it as a, I guess like Tintin. Like yeah, a, yeah, like yeah, an yeah. Animated CGI kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like a blend. Although it would have been a little bit too early. Maybe, that. maybe too early. Yeah. yeah, I think they wanted Haley Joe Osment mm. to voice Harry Potter. Yeah, but then both Spielberg and Osment were committed to artificial intelligence at yeah, that point. They ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Spielberg really just wanted to work with that kid. So, <laughs> I mean, the kid was in his prime. That's it. I mean, he peaked. Did you um, like AI, artificial intelligence? I like the first half. I actually liked all of it. Oh, yeah. It was I, different. The tone, look, the tone was all over the show. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm a few years detached, so like, it's probably mm. not a fair thing. I'm actually, a curious one to sort of go back and look, look mm. at, because I don't remember having a great time with the end of it. I think it just got weird when it was like, oh, he's essentially joined the circus of like robot freaks. <laughs> but, I think it got weird when the bloody I aliens really, appeared after oh, the freeze, yeah, you know? I just I just like the, like the family, the futuristic family type dynamic, mm. and then like that like heartbreak of... Not really, my son. Just be free. Like yeah. that was like. Although he's yeah, he just can't compute the idea of not being a son because yeah. he's he's not made that way yet. So it's quite heartbreaking. They abandoned him, and then the just because of a different movie. So I'm like, oh, okay. I think that was just that. Anyway, a bit off off, off topic there. But anyway, um, yeah. So Steven Spielberg and Haley Joel Osment were not involved in this project yeah. <laughs> because of the <laughs> the critically acclaimed <laughs> artificial intelligence. In our review of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, we talk about how Haley Joel is not in the movie. <laughs> Do you know who is in the movie? In a way, the music of yes. John Williams. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say quickly, um, just so you... Uh, just, just to bring it back to AI artificial intelligence. I, I feel like we moved no, on. No, 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 we haven't. So, um, uh, John Williams wasn't the actual original pick. Um, it was originally going to be Horner. But then Horner couldn't do it. John Williams still it. did yeah. AI, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no, but Horner, Horner... No, Horner... Didn't Horner do it? Anyway, my, my, when I was researching it, Horner was committed, but then... Um, no, what committed was approached, but then he was actually yeah, taken away at the same time. For AI? Well, I don't know if it was AI or if... I just want to... Or if, anyway, AI went, got, um, went up for the uh, Oscar that year. Let's, make, let's just make the narrative that Horner couldn't do... James Horner could not do Harry Potter because he had to do AI. <laughs> <laughs> With John Williams and Haley Joel's yeah, I don't. I don't think it quite work that way, but either I way... I think that was makes ho- the story better. No, let's no, go no. with that. It was, it's, but Horner was originally earmarked. But come on, it, it, you have to admit, it's... It's John Williams, you know. Like, I mean, once again, this is when you have our you have your John Williams go to tunes of like what are his iconic things, and I know obviously Harry Potter is a little bit more modern in terms of his classics. Yep, but it's up there with them. Mm. That you heard it at the start of this podcast episode. 
you know, like the whatever you call it, the Harry Potter tune. The... Yeah, that one. Yeah, that was really weak whistling. I, I feel like it was. Your to... microphone's turned up loud enough to see it. I can I, see it on yeah, the screen. I'm not going to do it any louder because I can't. <laughs> what you can do is you can you can in post you can just insert someone else whistling. I'll just do it and then I'll put it in there for you. Can or you, can you whistle? Well, Jason, it wasn't very loud. No, you, 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 it clearly was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stumbled a bit at the start there. Anyway, this is not a whistling competition. Can I just say, by the way, just going back to what I was saying. It, um, so Horner was really going to be doing it. He didn't. He was doing a beautiful mind. And it turned out that um, Williams is Williams did AI, right? And AI and Beautiful See, Mind was were Williams competing. I thought, yeah. yeah, Williams and Horner were competing for the Oscar with Beautiful Mind and AI, oh, I but see. not the Harry Potter theme. I see. Even though out of the three movies, pick which one you recognise the most. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. It's 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 a mate like hmm. much like how it is with a lot of um, John Williams scores. Um, in terms of, like, film franchises, like, mm. he's there at the start, you know? The first two movies, Chris Chris Columbus, John Williams, you know, the pair, like, you've got John Williams, um, you know, he set the stage, the big scope, there's almost, like, a very um, artistic choice to, like, mm. the production, it's very magical, everything's yeah. large, you know, it's, it's, it's a magical thing. John Williams' score is on there, overlaying the whole thing, just creating this world. As we progress past that second movie, mm. you know, you know, we have a few different, like, tonal changes and artistic choices from the different directors. Obviously, like we said, it starts to streamline. Mm. Um, but, like, the music, the Harry Potter, like, John Williams music is, like, the theme is still there. Yeah. But then we've got other, you know, music composers well, they coming like, in. to a different tone and stuff. Yeah, and, you know, then they went to the more, like, the different atmospheric stuff. But yeah. this one was really, like, it was like John Williams... Just doing a scene where people were just talking or walking yeah. around, it would be like, dun, 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 dun. and, and it's then kind of like, well, if you think about it, it's very Home Alone. And Home Alone we, too, <laughs> which is like, which is also a collab like, between Columbus and Williams. When we get, but, it's not a Chris Columbus movie unless there's Christmas featured, and of course in this movie there is a, actually, and the second, the Chamber of Secrets as well. They move it, and then they never talk about Christmas again because no Chris Columbus. No Columbus. Let's just call it Christmas Columbus. That's what I'm calling him now. <laughs> It's not a it's not a Columbus movie without Christmas. And then when you get to those themes, I'm, I'm guessing John Williams was like, okay, it needs to sound it's Harry Potter s- but Christmassy. <laughs> Sleigh bells. I'm just <laughs> gonna I'm just gonna do my Harry. I'm just gonna do my Home Alone thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and bo- by the way, <laughs> it does not bagging out those scores because they're, they're sorry, they're really really good scores. I mean, it's it's John Williams doing Christmas, so it's, yeah. of course you're gonna you're gonna get stuff. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. But yeah, throughout this movie, it's just John Williams, John Williams, and it's. It's glorious, and it is something that's missing. Although you get it mm-hmm. when it's like a Harry Potter moment or the opening credits, it is missing throughout the rest of the films. You know that mm-hmm. just that John that Williams jo- doing jovial, his thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, jovial Williams. Let's just change everyone's names. Absolutely. Let's All right. Let's um, let's talk Harry Potter. Let's talk Harry, the man himself, Potter. the man, the boy, All right. the boy. I didn't want to go down this road. You want to talk about his, his characterization, the performance, or do you just, just want to talk, talk about, about him? Just the whole thing, everything as a, about as him. As a concept. Like, as a concept. I mean, this is Harry Potter as a concept. We've got this character who is a young boy, this lonely, mundane life, living with, um, you know, this. Pieces of shit. Well, yeah, like his family who are, you know, the Dursleys. They are his, his uncle, his aunt, and his cousin and they're all I mean horrible people he lives mm. in a cupboard like this is <laughs> it's funny when I watch the, when I watch these movies I'm like like this isn't real this couldn't happen this is so like 
outrageously. It's so bad. Like, but it's it's all just part of the fun. <laughs> it's it is. I mean, it's it's completely. It's intentionally brutal to con- contrast. Like, just you know how terrible his life is. They're not. No one's really that bad, and if they are, they should be in jail. So the pe- yeah, well, pro- so, people probably okay. are that bad. People are that bad, but hopefully they but are in not, jail. But or... it's not in any way humorous, <laughs> like it is played out <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, of course. But uh, inter- interesting with the Dursleys and stuff. The set designer who cannot, I don't know who that person was, but they actually intentionally designed the Dursleys' furniture and in, like, interior to be as like uncomfortable as possible. Oh, it all looks visually, so it just it looks <laughs> terrible. No, well, it looks, I guess, but dated looks... furniture and stuff. But even though they're you know, they're meant to be wealthy and stuff. But that's the thing with actually with like with these movies and I'm trying not to bag out, you know, like the UK at the same time whilst I do this. But you know, like, you know, everything looks kind of old <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, in Europe watch, in general, generally, you know. When you watch but, this movie and like you the only sort of modern stuff we see is like, you know, in the Dursley's house and there's not that much of it. They go mm. to the zoo. You know, like, and again, there's not really, you can't really put a time stamp on anything. When yeah. they're at the train station, when they're at Diagon Alley, it's like everything, but that's obviously a magical kind of thing. Yeah. It's like nothing hints at where we are in time. Yeah. And you get to Hogwarts and it's like everything's old. Everyone's wearing robes and uniforms. are like quills, mm. parchment. Yeah, no one's all, no technology. Out phones, laptops, pens. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's interesting because that's actually um, a, as you would expect with a franchise with this legacy, there's been plenty of academics who have kind of gone into it yeah. at all and kind of pulled it apart. There isn't really any reflection until you get to the last, I think, you know, I think the last three films. Well, they start... Entries. They don't actually in any way date it in any sense. So well, you actually start, don't the, know when it's The kids start wearing, like, you know, like, in these movies, they're always wearing their uniforms yeah. and stuff. But, like, when you get the later on in the movies, they start just wearing normal clothes. And that's when you start and those to see clothes, when you see, you know, like they're wearing jeans, they're wearing the, t-shirts, the they're wearing and stuff. You know, jumpers and stuff, but freezing cold. They're still not using, like, smart... You don't see them use phones nah, and stuff. But then when you get to, like, they're in London, or you see the eye, you yeah. know, like... And it's like, okay, well, it's at yeah. least... <laughs> it's modern London. It's London. modern London. But, the yeah, the, the thing is, like, they, they don't talk about, you know when Harry's real birthday. Like, they don't really talk about whether or not he was born in 1997 or if it was born in um, 1980. Or was he 11 in 1997, you mean? Or was he 11 in 2001? Yeah. So you can't really tell. They don't purposefully don't date it until you get to the later periods because you can't tell based Mm. just on the aesthetic of what they're doing. And it's fully intentional, apparently, according to some academics. But I think it's it's a combination, again, it's like, you know... It's, mm. it's set in the UK, so everything looks old anyway. But then there's all like the magical stuff, so it's like, you know, set design. It make everything look old and like mm. magical. So I was like, ah, oh, it makes it really difficult to work out when this when this is actually set. Yeah. But I guess future movies. It's interesting though because they they definitely in the Fantastic Beast franchise definitely date it. You know, of course, exactly yeah. when it is because so they're trying to. They need to then date which I guess it. then confirms when. Yeah. Oh, this is confirmed anyway, really. Yeah. But we just don't know what exact year we just know the general decade um but look we get the whole the whole story again of course like harry potter this character needs to be plucked out of this world mm-hmm. he, it's revealed that he is a wizard he's visited by hagrid he tells him on his 11th birthday there's an <laughs> iconic happy birthday harry cake you're a wizard harry you're a wizard harry i know what um you know that whole thing there's you know he talks to a snake which ends up being a bigger story point mm-hmm. later on and mm-hmm. um but then it's like he's whipped off and essentially the movie is following this kid through his eyes yeah. seeing the like being exposed to the world of magic yeah. and so we're, we're discovering we are Harry Potter we are yeah. actually Harry Potter in this because he I mean he is an exposition train 
everything he most of his dialogue is what what and yeah. how, what do you mean and because it's like, nothing but it is a it's, lot it's of built, questions actually yeah, isn't it? it i'm a what, I'm a what? but everything is a question because he is completely and it's played on it all of his the people around him know more about everything even about himself than he does yeah and so we're along the ride in the that same shoes yeah like very, he's, very clever way of doing it. Yeah, he's a celebrity, actually. Yeah. Like, people... Well, like, infamous celebrity. Like, people know of him. Yeah. It's like, the, the recognisable scar. Yeah. The lightning bolt thing yeah. on, his, on his head. Well, um, he's got that legacy, but it's also, like, folklore, almost. It's like, oh, my God, he's mm. the boy who lived. It's like, yeah. But I guess, like, when they, they position his character, like, he... Mm. Because he's not from the magic world, as far as he, he knows, you know, like, you've got, like, Ron Weasley, like... His whole family, like, they're doing magic and crazy stuff mm. all the time. Like, Hermione, even though we find out, you know, like, she's got one of each, you know, a muggle and a, and a, um, a wizard. Yeah. You know, like, she still has been exposed to magic. She knows she's already started doing research and stuff like that. Mm. Where Harry's just like, like, okay, wow, there's a shop that sells wands. Like, this is new. This is mm. new to me. Like, everything. Like, what's with this bank? Like, it's so big and crazy. Yeah. You, know, you get to all this chocolate and... frog jumping out all over everywhere. Yeah, it is. It's very much, and I mean, I guess it's all credit to you know J, uh, J.K. Rowling's writing and, and mm. what was in the book and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's like when we're here talking about this movie, like they're very successfully, like everything as we're watching, like there's so much like wow mm. to things. Where I think later on, it's like. Just another day at Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Yeah. another year at Hogwarts. You know, it's like which is still cool. We're having fun, but it's like this. This first movie, it's just everything is like that. Looks wonderful. Oh yeah. my god, it's amazing. Look at that. <laughs> like, and yeah. it does that for it. Not necessarily a bad thing yeah. at all, but it's just because you are. It's through his eyes, and mm. and it's cool. So we're we're getting a lot of. This is probably the best example of like how do you introduce an audience to something? Yeah. You're giving them all this exposition, but it's it's expanded, it's dragged down, it's only when you need to know things. Well, and we're learning things both visually and mm. um, I just through dialogue and through like what they're doing and what yeah. we're seeing. Like, it's, it's it's really good. By the time we get to Hogwarts, Hogwarts I, I feel like, wow, well, I, I understand this magic mm. world already. Well, I, I, I would classify it as exper- exper- experiential exposition where we're actually experiencing it for the... Like, it's almost like we're there. Yeah, yeah. We are, we are, yeah, we're participating as part of it. Um, which are, it's just so clever how Rowling did that with the books and then they, they managed to keep that and, and really capitalise on it moving forward. Now, I want to say something about uh, Radcliffe and just the casting elements and all of this, a bit of trivia and stuff I found. Now, Columbus actually wanted... Did, did you know that this wasn't Daniel Radcliffe's first... first um, it wasn't his oh, debut. Oh, really? So he really? was in something else. Um, I don't have it in front of me what it was called, but there he was in something and Columbus saw him and wanted... Daniel Radcliffe for Harry Potter. Oh, right. Now, interestingly, his parents too protective of him um, because he was going through school and they said, look, no, he can't commit to it. And so they they auditioned like 5,000 different people, 5,000 candidates. And the casting director, Susie Figgis, was like, we need it. It needs to be, can't be Daniel Radcliffe. It's got to be somebody else. <laughs> yeah. But randomly at a theatre um, somewhere, wherever Daniel Radcliffe lives, he went to a theatre show with his dad and um, David Heyman and Steve Close, so the producer and writer, they saw them and they convinced his dad to let... Like, basically had the conversation with his dad right there. Right. And so after 5,000 auditions, it it still went to... And Daniel Radcliffe, he did audition for it. Yeah. So he was in the mix, but it was clear that the parents didn't want to commit to it. But they knew who they wanted. And I read, and it could just 
I, I can't see a confirmation, but Susie Figs, who is the casting director, I think actually left the project and it could very well be because of the overwhelming amount of effort put in and they still ended up with the original preferred <laughs> candidate. No, that's good. So, I mean, I, I one thing I want to give the like this film and I guess like the casting directors and stuff like props for is that they actually went for, and it's probably not 100% age accurate because mm. I'm sure like Daniel Radcliffe probably wasn't 11. He was probably like 12, 13. But I mean, generally speaking... Mm. They they cast character actors sorry that looked like the kids of yeah. their age and then I mean we'll, I'll talk about like the aging stuff later but yeah. I mean generally speaking like they didn't say oh look, let's get some fifteen year olds to play this eleven year old and mm. then you know like child labour laws all that kind of fun stuff I'm sure they <laughs> I think I read something about like they had to change a few things to make it all happen but mm. it was good like they got a bunch of kids that all look good at these characters they they work. Um, they ended up being phenomenal actors and stuff like that in their own right. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess the only downside is that as they weren't doing a movie a year, mm. it was sort of like two years and then yeah. like three so, years. Maybe there was a back-to-back year here and there. Yeah. But the character, the actors started aging a lot quicker than mm. the characters did. Yeah. They got away with it, but I mean, I got to admit, Daniel Radcliffe did start to look a bit funky. Come the, the six, seven, eight. Not, yeah, not a seventeen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, definitely in his twenties. Like, and you can you could tell. And so does you know some of the other actors as, yeah. as well. But. I mean, that's the the tree. I mean, like you take Emma Watson for example. Like, she was cute as a little girl, yeah. and now she's grown up, and she like she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. Mm. Like, good for her. A lot of child actors don't have that mm. that um that you know fortune. <laughs> so, yeah. But I got to say, a lot of these actors, and a lot of them, especially like who played um. Neville Longbottom, Neville. like you know, he yeah, grew yeah, up yeah. and he actually ended up looking better than he did as a kid, yeah. like, to the point where they had to. And again, we're talking about future movies, but you know, they had to give him prosthetic teeth because mm. he started looking too good. Yeah. So it's like he looked like a model. It is an interesting <laughs> thing to go into a movie. You know, you're going to have this long-lasting franchise. You want to keep your actors the same. Yeah, you're committing to casting these big kids that look good mm. as they are, and then you just pray to God they look, they still they look continue. the part. You know, ten years later, when you're making your final movie, but it still but... does work. You know, because they even if like they, you know, they they age noticeably because you are along the ride with them as well. Yeah, you're still and given the age, like they were aging in real time as with the audience, even though their age in the films, you know, they don't go beyond seventeen years old. Yeah, it's not like we're um, all in our twenties then when we watched yeah. it. It's not like Daniel so was they. thirty and they made the sixth movie. Like no. it was, and they definitely used CG to age him at the end of the. The franchise. Oh, one of the worst scenes in the yeah. whole franchise. But <laughs> point being, shot. he looks that old now. Like he's as in. That, oh, he does not. <laughs> he does. No, he's when still. Was the last time you saw Daniel Radcliffe. No, he doesn't look like old man Harry. Like I don't know what they're doing. They made him more grey and like droopy and stuff. Like he looked like he had a stroke <laughs> or something horrendous. Oh wow. Anyway, that's our last movie, not this one. We'll talk about the some shocking CGI bits in uh, in a sec. We will. Um, but look, I think yeah, like that is pretty much Harry Potter's character throughout this whole movie mm. and. Again, like, Daniel who cute, charming kid. It works, and, like, you get to the end where, you know, like, he's facing off against, you know, like, um, Professor Quirrell and, like, mm. the Voldemort face thing. Yeah. And it's like, you believe that this kid is holding his own in that scene because mm. you're just like, you know, whatever, like, magic. Yeah. It's, and that's good. That's and, he's a a, and, you, and you know, yeah, it establishes you in this movie, he is a natural wizard. He has got no idea about magic, but the thing with the snakes and everything like that, he's got a natural gift that's organic to him. Yeah. And so it makes sense that even though he's completely out of this world, 
he can still stand his own, even though it's awkward and fumbling and yeah. like he barely scrapes through, but he still can. Another thing about these earlier movies, it's because the kids are younger and stuff, like the mm. the stories and like what they're dealing with is focused very much on them, like mm. um, you know, being in a school environment, you know, like doing right by their teachers, yeah. getting to class on time. Um, not breaking the rules, sneaking around like they're all naughty, and then later on it's just like they're just doing what they want. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure, like the like the next few movies, like they don't even go to classes anymore. It's like <laughs> they're just dealing with whatever problem they're dealing yeah, with. What was your high school experience though? Like you know, like I, I remember when I got towards the tail end of high school, I was like, no, I didn't really listen to much direction from school, <laughs> yeah. like school authority and <laughs> yeah, everything. Still went to school, still did my, did my classes, but like I wasn't tucking my shirt in, I wasn't doing anything yeah. else. I was just. But it's, the same, it's sort of the same thing. It was like, yeah, like you get to the middle movie and it's like they're all they're, none of them are having haircuts. It's ridiculous. Mm. Their shirts are untucked. Like yeah. they're all they're a mess. Puberty's happening. Puberty's they're getting happening. weird like other things. But again, we're trailing off into other things. So I'll yeah. try to stop doing that. Absolutely. Should we move on to Ron and Hermione? I figured I'd package them. Just put as them a, together. I mean, they end up together anyway, right? <laughs> Spoilers. So um, no, I mean they they they're two great characters. Yeah, yeah obviously intentionally just to make it diver- like diverse in the storytelling they're very different in fact they're almost polar opposites yeah. pretty much you know um but i think that's great you know you i think you're introduced to ron first i mean just only slightly yeah you well, well, pretty much almost the same time really platform nine and three quarters you've got you you've got ron you've got his mum he's got you've got little Ginny, which anytime she mm. looks at harry you kind of if you know what happens it's like but yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. It's cute. Yeah, um, she's like probably nine years old. Yeah, you see the, the twins. And, and, and you're watching them going. But yeah, but even when you watch the other movies as well, and the way she reacts to things, because you know how it goes. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's adorable. It's cute. But you see, like, you've got the twins as well, the other Weasleys. Um, and yeah, and then once we get to the train, it's Harry and Ron sort of like building, starting their relationship and their friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we get to Hermione. Mm. See Hermione. So there as well, and you know she's again like very different to the boys. You yeah. know, like Ron's a bit more like reckless and clumsy and crazy. Mm. Harry's just like bewildered and like oh, but he wants to try and be a good, be a good person, do the right thing, all that mm. kind of stuff. And you've got Hermione who is book smart, very yeah. like focused. Everything's about pronunciation mm. and being proper and sitting up straight. Yeah. In fact, you yeah the amount of. Um... I guess kind of characterization you get in that first little train cabin scene. Yeah, like you immediately know that Ron doesn't have much money. Like he's eating crushed like corn beef sandwiches. He can't afford to buy sweets. He's got a rat, um, you know, as a as a pet. He's yeah. got sticky tape on his wand, like or something like that. Oh, no, maybe not maybe that movie when he's got sticky tape. I can't remember. Might be later. Maybe oh, yeah, it is later. It is later. But and um, just yeah, point being is you see straight away he's you know he's a bit rough. He's a bit rough around the edges. A bit kind of frayed and all that and then you get this incredibly sharp smart sharp polar you know, opposites yeah. as you said yeah. and and you just get so much from the two characters immediately within you only get, it only takes a minute and a half and you already know exactly who they are exactly yeah. where what kind of interests they are how much you know in Ron's sake for example how you know I guess well you said reckless but it's also like carefree in some things and that kind yeah. of thing where, well you find out you know later like he's, he's pretty rubbish at his magic like yeah. he's no good where again there's that Hermione being amazing, answering the questions, mm. wanting to put her hand up, wanting to be the one to deliver the, the correct answer, and mm. she's like that go-getter. It's just really fun to see how they eventually develop like this the tight 
like trio relationship and then yeah. uh, everything sort of unfolds after that it's really cool to see the beginnings mm. of it all um, yeah. you know there's even conflict in the movie where like you know Ron's basically bagging Hermione out for being you know mm. like all straight edge and yeah stuff. pretty yeah. like known it all kind of thing and you know she she gets sort of hurt by that but she makes yeah. it clear that it's like hey Ron I heard that yeah you know, you know she doesn't say it but she nudges him and yeah. storms past it's like yeah, yeah there's you, a lot you of you tell him girl it's sort of like you, these very real kid interactions as well yeah. like just sort of stupid petty like mm. interactions it's like yeah it's all got to be nice people yeah absolutely um, but the two like, and you're right about the, the trio of them kind of you know over time but it, st- it starts in this movie clearly they, they become stronger you know, bond, mm. bonds but it you know even like when they go through the trials at the end when they're trying to get through to get to the Philosopher's Stone or, or whatever like they are each you know their strengths are there and it's kind of enforced yeah it's they almost like they couldn't have they couldn't have done it without each three, other yeah. Yeah. I think that's a line you know like it might be the last movie where Harry says to him like it's like I couldn't have done any of what's happened like without you two yeah like so it's like they're even though Harry Potter is like the chosen one as such it's like he he's, really he's the chosen one but he doesn't have any real skill or anything like other, you know, I mean he's competent but he's not he always seems to be a leader and I understand like he himself can't understand it either because he's that's funny like yeah. he, he does a lot of the things that he does have to get through it's always someone else who actually does, does it, it or helps yeah. him do it yeah. but then at the end it's sort of like it has to be you and it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, but why does it have to be him? Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Because his name's on the place. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, um, let's get yeah. into, I guess, I guess every other bloody magical, fantastical element of this movie. I mean, Hogwarts. Mm. Hogwarts, we can pretty much start there. That's where the majority of this movie, or well, the remainder of this movie, pretty much takes place. Yeah. I mean, the school... We were talking, you, you know, you mentioned sort of like set design and stuff like that before, just like yeah. the Dursley's place, you know, we got the Dion Alley, but when we get to Hogwarts, yeah. you know, we've got we've got the the use of two real sort of castles and buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the names of them. I'll tell you as we're going. I know, I knew yep. you would have written them down or taken uh, notes. I did not write them down, but I do have it in front of me. So they actually, they wanted to do it at Canterbury Castle, which is a, pop, a famous castle in... Was that in Scotland, I think? Something like that. Anyway, um, they rejected Warner Brothers because they were super religious and said, you can't <laughs> you can't film your pagan magic crap here, which is actually what they said. You can't... They didn't know I mean, the pagan roots of magic fair. and stuff. That's but they still... I think it was still... Um, so they filmed in Gloucester Castle. Um, Gloucester and... Um, there's another one. Alnwick. Um, so they... But those castle scenes were only filmed over a two-week period. The rest was... So the, the Great Hall, for example, that's set. Um, right, yeah. So the, when you get like the, the dorm rooms are set. Yep. Um, and the classrooms are all set. So pretty much like the the wide shots of the castles, obviously all the stuff with like flying around yep. and stuff like that, they use the visuals from the castle. And then you've got the smaller, like up close external shots. Yeah, like they, the libraries and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But then when you get really into the building, mm. that's where they're, they're sets and stuff. Makes 100% sense. Yes. So it would be done like um, But there was, so apparently, um, especially with uh, Gloucester Castle, was it? Um, oh, there's a few. By the way, there's a few other scenes in other cathedrals and bits and pieces. But Gloucester Cathedral, sorry, not Castle, that was the principal location. But there was still kickback from the religious community for, from that, you know, that that area, and they threatened to actually boycott and block like cast and crew and production coming onto wow, the site. Wow. And apparently, after all of that, like we're talking weeks and weeks and weeks of people getting really fired up, 
you know, you know, with their letters and things like that. Only one person protested in in person, so. But it, so it didn't really stop anything from happening. <laughs> but they really did. They did. One person the congregation really... did make a really big call yeah. that, and for the same reasons, like the whole concept of magic and paganism, which kind of, if you're looking through a faith sense, they don't align with magic and stuff. Do not align with again. Ma- I'm with like religious stuff. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But it is funny. One person does not make a difference. <laughs> Definitely good. not. Not to a malt, not to a hundred and fifty million dollar production. Mm. So. Once we get to Hogwarts, you know, we mm. do meet an onslaught of characters, and you know, we've already yes. mentioned sort of like the all star ensemble cast. Whether there's minor roles, bigger roles, mm. roles that will be bigger later. Yeah. Um. You know, we've already met Ron and Hermione. I mean, we met Hagrid as well, but like if we, we start with him and look, we're not going to spend too much time on each of the characters. There's so many, but we'll talk about some of like the major ones and you know what they, Yeah. I mean, as a blanket statement, just so we don't have to say it every time. I mean, generally speaking, mm. there's not really a bad performance in this. I mean, some of the kid actors at the time, like it's a little bit over the top, a bit dramatic. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Malfoy, um, <laughs> you know, Tom Felton. Oh, I need to talk about him. You know, but um, like overall, like all of the all of the adults, the the school faculty and stuff, like these are all quality fine actors. It's all great stuff. But you got Robbie Coltrane as yeah. as Rubus Hagrid, um, and you know, obviously, they made him very very big, being his Although sort he's of not. giant. They did have a tall yes. double. Though. Right, so, yeah, I'll yeah. talk about him all later. The magic tricks. A little bit, a little bit later, but <laughs> magic tricks. All the magic. All the magic. <laughs> Movie magic tricks, I should say. Um, we do meet Albus Dumbledore, Richard Harris, who plays him. Um, unfortunately, only gets to play him for for the first two, two the two films. And unfortunately, Richard Harris passed away. But he, I think, I mean, Michael Gammon's all right, and oh, Michael Gammon does the, he does the he does job. Great, 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 great but job, yeah. there is definitely a different tone with um, the Richard Harris Dumbledore versus the Michael. There's Gammon. almost something a little bit more, I guess, like it's more serious. I want to say regal, yeah, and like almost yeah. like. A kind of epic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good, that's a yeah, that's a good way. Whereas, of um, um Gammon's is a little bit more um, grounded, I think. Yeah, it kind of plays more of like a an average, a man. timely old man who like is quite wise and you yeah. know will give you guidance. Yeah, and I think that's also with that like the story kind of goes in the direction of like Dumbledore's up to like some shady stuff. Yeah, and that I guess plays against the actor as well, which isn't the mm. best thing. But um. And he is shady. Um, but yeah, you got Richard Harris, just like, oh, it's great. just so good. being like, you're just like, wow, that's a pr-. And I guess that plays into also through the lens of the kids. Like, oh, he's the headmaster. He's but the. But he's also pla- like really playful as well. Like, you know, when he's having the birdie bots, and yeah. he's like, um, he goes, oh, earwax or something. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be safe with a nice toffee. And he's like, oh, no, earwax. So, um, yeah, brilliant. absolutely brilliant. I've got Alan Rickman as yeah. Severus Snape, and what a like, just what a great character performance. All yeah. of that, um, and a lot of this movie is is sort of focused on like, oh, Snape's pretty dodgy. What's he up to? He's yeah. the one that's you know like helping the Dark Lord, you know all that kind of stuff. Mm, mm. Um, and then obviously it's revealed that it's like, no, he was actually helping yeah. Harry like the whole time. Then even later on, they kind of go back to like questioning Snape's motives and stuff like that, and then it's like, oh, so still comes out like he's Mm. pretty good, and there's this whole history with like Harry's parents, but that's a whole other thing. You find that all out later, but in this one, you find out that he is just a bad guy and he's a previous evil dude and stuff. But what's um, what's really interesting about so Alan Rickman and J.K. Rowling? So J.K. Rowling actually advised Alan Rickman on you know basically the character's direction. 
like before at the point of this movie, she'd already determined his arc. Right. So she didn't give him all of the details, but said, you know, this is generally the motivation. This is where he ends up. Like, and so at this point, as Alan Rickman's filming this movie, he knows what his motivations are throughout the whole thing. So he knows where who he is. Like, are am I am I good or bad? Yeah. So like, how do I play it? There's no quit. Yeah. And so he knows how he knows that even in this time, he's a an ally to Dumbledore and mm. all of that. Which is why you see him going against Quill, Curl at the Quidditch match and all of that. He's actively playing that role of protecting Harry, but he's actively protecting his his own, like I guess, identity, like by maintaining that evil the facade, facade, you know. And I think he's. If I have to say favorite character of the whole franchise, it's Snape for sure. Always in this movie, though, if I'm talking favorite characters, <laughs> uh, though. No I actually think Dumbledore is my favorite character in this movie, in oh, the way really? in the way that just the, you know how everybody they're all everyone's fantastic. Just how cool he is, just how but cool. it, he's just he Harris plays that role really really well of being above everybody else, but friendly and approachable, but still a level of authority that you just don't challenge. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just think that's fantastic. No, uh, but Snape, but Snape is, but Snape is um, oh, Alan just Rickman, every line. I mean, pulled he, it off so well. He's he acting like he's doing potions, but he wants to mm. be doing defense of the dark arts. And he's just always talking like this. I can't do it, but um, you know, like he's uh, just Rickman the way that he does. I am um, interested. Talk about Snape and Alan Rickman. So you know, yeah, R.I.P. Mr. Rickman. But there was you know some fa- fan chatter saying, "Oh, let's get a prequel with um, Snape and Lily and James Potter and and all of those right. characters and get Adam Driver to play him." Yeah, and I could see that working. Like, yeah, because Adam Driver, you know, got that very prominent nose and just that that kind of. It's just the face and the look, like they're kind of similar. And they can even do flashbacks in that where he's like a young boy, and they can get Finn Wolfhard to play him. Like it's all- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> do this whole thing. We can do this whole thing. Absolutely. All right, who else would you like to talk about? There's so many characters. We got to mention Carla them all. Yeah, but we got to mention Maggie Smith though. Um, Minerva McGonagall. Uh, she's earned um, it. <laughs> she's earned it. Um, first on screen as a cat, um, mm. and then yeah, again, like she's. The way she's portrayed and presented, you know, that she's like that grouchy, like, older lady teacher that, yeah. like, you know, we've got to, okay, we just got to behave for and all that kind of stuff. But then, as you get to know her throughout this movie and then even further, it's oh, backed yeah. up. She cares. Like, she's so caring. She very much, caring. it will stand up for the kids and, yeah. and defend them. And, and she knows that they're, like, especially that Ron and Harry, like, she knows that they're good boys, mm. but sometimes they're just, they're just up to no good. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And they, they deserve to suffer the consequences. All right. uh, interestingly, throughout the franchise, um, in case we never do another Harry Potter movie, <laughs> I will say it's again later if we do. Um, we almost so, could have just done the whole it, thing. No, because well. I reckon we open the door to futures later. Don't we worry about that. Um, and, you know, listeners, if you want to hear more, let us know. But um, Maggie Smith, she ended up by having a form of cancer at some point during the filming. Oh, right. In, okay, uh, yeah. I think it's like from film two onwards. But she still managed to... And she, you know, her herself, Dame... Dame Maggie Smith? Dame? Is she a dame? I think she is. Ah, anyway. they all are. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them on the cast list are, yeah. Um, but she, you know, still, I think she's in like almost in her 80s or something, but she still got through there and still I feel like we need, we need to go back and say Sir Richard Harris. Is oh, that, yeah, good that's, point. That's, that's, uh, oh, I know God. that one's for sure. And you know what? Probably Sir Alan Rickman as well. Like. <laughs> if it's not, it'll be posthumous. <laughs> but but look, yeah, like we said, there's so many bloody characters. Um, I will uh, mention just some, obviously, some of the major kids that we see. Oh, obviously, you mentioned Tom Felton. You said Mount, you had Mount some. Thought Gee, that's I Mount like Floyd. him as an adult. Hey, hated him in this. 
hated. I, I, not in a hated. I hated character? the character, not the performance. Well, yeah, but like performance was good. I thought. Snivelling <laughs> yeah, little like, pieces of shit. And that's. I think, but they they pushed his character, but then they didn't. There was like a line, and I feel like they never crossed it. It, it wasn't like okay, this this character is just a nasty piece of work. It's just like nah, he's just a snotty kid that yeah. sort of he has attitude, comes from money, comes from this high. You know, like yeah, pri- privileged family, family yeah, and very stuff. privileged. Um, but then, you know, we've got we start laying the groundwork for characters like Neville Longbottom, played by mm. Matthew Lewis, who turned out to be an incredibly sexy man. Oh, well, there, there it is. You said it. Um, <laughs> you know, like very much a side character, a secondary, even a third tier character. Yeah, who eventually is just always there and involved. Um, and you mm. know, he's, he has a good moment here where he. He stands up to his, to like, Ron and, and Harry, and yeah. and he actually gets rewarded for that at the end. And it, it, he it, tips it, the tie for the, 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 the school, the school competition. And it's it all this very nice thing of like, Ooh. oh, that's another thing with this 100 movie. One hundred points to Gryffindor. This this movie and and like I think they do it again in the second one. It's very focused on like the house points mm. and like oh, yeah. you know, trying to win the the house cup. And then as you get on, it's like the next few movies. They don't care anymore. Yeah, they never mention house points anymore. They don't even talk about the closing ceremony with like the. Yeah, they, well, they don't, they don't ever revisit it. Like you know, the only time I guess because they yeah. they just don't care because they're mm. older and they're like, wow, we've discovered boobs now. We don't care about the house yeah. cup. <laughs> also the. The danger escalates considerably. Yeah, there's yeah. more important so. things. Um, but there's even um, Seamus Finnegan, Devin Murray. He's literally a character there to, like, you know, just say a few funny lines. He's almost yeah. like the comic relief of, he starts of the He blowing kids. shit up, and he always has a burnt face and stuff. Yeah. I just love his... Um, is, is it a Welsh or a s- It's an Irish accent, sorry. It's an Irish accent, didn't it? Definitely. Seamus. That makes sense. Sometimes yeah. I th- say things, and it, it doesn't really... Well, I mean, you know... Make any sense? You never know. I mean, going through this list, and again, like I'm trying not to spend too much time on, on anyone, but like you've got names like John Cleese, you've got mm-hmm. John Hurt. Um, John Hurt's great, you know, especially when he comes back later as well. That's yeah, awesome. Richard Griffiths as Vernon Dursley. You probably yeah. should have mentioned him earlier. Um, R.I.P. Oh yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, and look, I mean, mm-hmm. actors they get on. Um, there, there's so much. We're talking the the Weasley family, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Julie Walters as Molly Weasley. We yeah. unfortunately do not get our glimpse of Mr. Weasley yet. No. Save that for the Cast next movie. From the second movie onwards. Um, yeah. Bonnie Bonnie Wright as Ginny, who like eventually mm. does become a bigger role, and you know, like I haven't seen her in much stuff though, but I know I'm sure she's actively doing things and all mm. that. Um, there's him. Leslie Phillips is the voice of the Sorting Hat. Like there is yeah. a crazy cast here. Some huge amount of talent. Huge amounts of talent. Warwick Davis. All right, last character oh, yeah, I'm going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, Warwick yeah. Davis yeah. is... I'm, I'm pretty sure he plays three roles, but I, I mistakenly did not write down his third role because it's a voice. It's a voice, but I forgot to mention yeah, okay. But he plays Phileas uh, Flitwick, and he's the um, <laughs> also the goblin head teller at the bank. Right. Um, I can't remember. He does voice um, um, a third character, but I can't remember who Phil- it is. Yeah, Phileas Flitwick. Um, the... Head teller. He's also the voice of Grip Hook. Dubs the voice of um, Grip Hook. Even though in small roles, he's doing quite a bit. Yeah, he, does, he does a bit of voice dubbing, and as well as he's in person as well. So, um, should we take a moment to talk about maybe like the like aesthetically, like the uniforms, the you know, like the mm. Harry Potter, like the maybe like the houses and stuff like that. You know, we've got Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, yeah, uh, the other ones, <laughs> Hufflepuff, <laughs> Slytherin. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like, obviously, like, we've got the books and, you know, things that are described in the books. We've got illustrations that are done for cover art or maybe, like, mm. a picture book version. Um, yeah. And then, I can't remember the... There was an artist who did, like, a lot of, like, the artwork for it, but yeah. basically his visions came to life in, in those illustrations. But then, obviously, when it came to this movie, it was pretty much starting fresh, basing on as much as they could from mm. the book. Um, but I think they did a pretty good job, both with, like, just creating all the houses, yeah. the flags, the banners, the the uniforms, the scarves. Yeah. Um, it, it is a very iconic look. And, you know, I mentioned, mm. like, cosplayers and stuff like that. It is always great fun to put on put on a Harry Potter robe and yeah. put on a scarf of your, your, of your favorite, favorite color. house yeah. your, or your color. Do you, do you associate yourself with a, with me, with a Hogwarts house? Oh, man, I'm Slytherin. No. <laughs> I was going to say Slytherin as a joke, but I'm not a Slytherin. I'm a um. What's he? I'm a uh, a, a Ravenclaw people. Ravenclaw. Yeah. I not, sound like the Ravenclaw. leader. I'm just dependable. I'm in the yeah, background there. I sound like the Ravenclaws are like those like. They seem to be like the smart like yes, level check. ones. Yeah, yep, all good. Check, could, you know, yep. like, probably come from a world of privilege. Yeah, like probably. Yeah, I'm white. So yeah, chip. My wife uh, gravitates towards the the um, the Hufflepuffs. Oh, which I think are kind of like the friendly, gentle, yeah, like the nice, kind, caring, you know? kind people. Yeah, and then you got like your your Gryffindors who are you know, the leaders. The leaders also kind of like, I think they're probably more of like kind of like quirky, outcasty types. Mm. Bit of a, you know, probably like the hipsters so you, of the. So you're a, you're a, you're a Gryffindor. No, I'm a Slytherin. Oh, <laughs> you evil fuck! No, yeah. they're not all bad. It's just some of them. Like they're still good kids. No, where it's just sort of like I don't know. We're just kind of we're just kind of getting by. We're just kind of getting through it, doing the motions, trying to just just do our thing. And being um, a sociopath, can, yeah, can, I like hey, it. They're not all sociopaths. Just just Malfoy but, and um, all of his mates and the rest mates. of his house. Yeah, 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 no, okay, yeah, yeah. It's only a couple of them, but um, yeah, I've got my um, but my Slytherin outfit. But, but I, I do agree. I really like you know that. I mean, so you know, it's a crafty thing that Rowling did, um, and also you know, producers of this film and the series, the franchise as a whole, but. Everybody can actually identify with the, the positive qualities of the different houses, in, like as in, they're, you know, they're so unique in like and contrasting against each other that you can put yourself in one of them and not the others, and there are positive qualities as well as negatives in in most of them, yeah, or in all of them. So it's not like yeah, you say you're a Slytherin, it's actually not a bad thing because they're about they're about you know pushing the boundaries and. And maybe being a bit more competitive and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, just like just like don't take anyone's shit, really. Yeah, basic, like, oh. basically. And point you know, point point being is like so you can identify as a scissor and go, Yep, that's definitely me. I looked at all I the other that, personality traits. I did go, the Potterhead test thing. I have and, never done one before. I don't it was know Slytherin, and then I was like, okay, yeah, that works. Yeah. The description that I got, it's I was like, like it's yeah, like a yeah. little, a little, little less um, reliable than a, like a mind spring or something like that. But that's still open for interpretation sure. as well. So. <laughs> Um, but everything—I mean, that—that that speaks to like like the fun of the fandom and like how like the culture has sort of progressed. Like you know, you can go online and like look up. You do this test and you get given your Patronus. You know, like the <laughs> animal spirit thing. Yeah, what is it? Mine would be a dinosaur. I think I got—I think I got like a stupid like bunny or some some shit like that. Oh, Jesus, like, really? I don't know. It was like a bouncing. How the rabbit. hell do they determine that crap? Well, they don't. It's just randomised. Well, no, there's a bunch of questions, and it depends on how you answer them. Does it say one of the questions? Do you like rabbits? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, what's your what's, what's your, your favorite, favorite vegetable? It's like, like a carrot. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> said carrot. Though. It's the first funny thing that comes in your it's mind. Like, yeah. This is not Harry Potter related, really. So it let's is. get. Well, it kind of is, but let's. 
I'm talking about my Patronus. Yeah, okay. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, sorry, not, not related to this bloody movie. You're talking too no, far in the future. Yeah, that, that comes about. That comes about. Um, if we're talking the classes, you know, obviously, like, this is very school-based. Yeah. We get a lot of instructions to different Factions, classes yeah. here, you know, like Transfiguration, Potions. Mm. Um, we don't really get any sort of... The, we don't get the defense stuff yet, do we, until the second year, I'm pretty sure. Oh. I'll admit, the last no, time... No, you do, because Quirrell's a defense against the Dark Arts. That's true, yes, yes. I, don't, I don't think you get you see a lesson with him, do you? When, uh, yeah. And I know you're in the same boat, because I watched it with you, but like yeah. when we last watched these movies, full disclosure, we <laughs> did watch like five of them pretty yeah. much at the same it's time. It's an issue. We, 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 did almost, we tried to marathon half of them, yeah, basically. But, you know, yeah. where... And so we're adults, got, so it's hard these days. Oh, try doing it with a baby. So it's, a lot of it has sort of blurred yeah. into into one. I, I do have a clear picture of the first movie, but it is it is a bit blurry. Yeah. <laughs> so so we, we can't quite remember. <laughs> Which but a lot of a lot of the things that we're seeing, you know, we're getting exposed to all these different like magical elements and like different sorts of like lore and stuff. Mm. And you know, like, when we get to like the philosopher's stone yeah. aspect of it, you know, we're talking about. Um, uh, yeah, what's his name? The um, Nicholas um, Flamel, Flamel and stuff like yeah. that. It's like when Rowling was making, like writing these stories, like she was basing, she was getting her inspiration based on like real magical folklore. And, yeah, and, and those Nicholas Flamel things. is a real. He's one. a real sort yeah. of alchemist and, and stuff like that. It's all very like the 15th century, I think it was, mm. so 1460 so, or something. Like. It is cool to watch these movies and be like, oh, hello, all this, all this stuff is like. What her interpretation of them, and you know, like you get further on into the movies, you're looking at things like the Mandrake and mm. you know, like different types of potions and yeah, like yeah. things like you got like time turners, all this crazy stuff. But you've got fun things here, you know, you've got invisibility cloaks, we've got yeah, um, you know, or like how do the wands work, you know, like the wands, you know, they choose the, the, the user, like yeah. it's it's all very you get that, um, that, that very philosophical moment around, um, the, the mirror of. Is it Aaron said? I can't remember the pronunciation of it. But the idea of, um, you know, Dumbledore says, you know, that, you know, it basically says a proverb in a way of, you know, you, you shouldn't really spend your time mm. thinking of the, the dreaming of the, like, the past or something. You should be living in the moment. Yeah. So, something like that. And then the reason he says that kind of concept is because that mirror shows him his greatest desire and which was, you know, find out later all of that kind of complicated thing around his sister yeah. and all that stuff. But, He's, his advice to Harry is, you know, although you see your parents in the mirror and it's a driving thing and that's your desire, it's like you need to be living in reality, not living in the past or living in your dreams. So, just, a, yeah, yeah, there's lots of cool little things like around the lore and the magical realm that we see in this movie and then beyond. And it's just, it just kind of, like when you go into it for the first time, I remember you just wouldn't have thought, like all of these little concepts and little bits and pieces in the movie. They just add an extra layer or a little bit of creativity, and it's even doing it still with the Fantastic Beasts franchise, where mm. they just throw something that they've completely invented, but it has a real world kind of connotation in some way. It is such a large, and it's yeah, yeah it's such a large uh, world, yeah. the wizarding world. I don't, I've got to say, I, I didn't mention this, you know, off the top, um, mm. but when that first Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find the movie came out. Mm. Um, me and the wife did a full... I mean, it wasn't in one day, but it was like over the space of like a week or two. We did all eight Harry Potter films. Almost back-to-back-ish. Mm. Um, 
and it was it was quite a journey like it was yeah. you know like that was the first time I had watched them all sort of in one hit kind yeah. of thing in such a small space and I swear like by the end of it it's like it is an experience it is a journey yeah and then it was such this it was so disheartening because like and this wasn't fair on that movie because I've since revisited it and praise it a lot more now but that first Fantastic Beast movie went in to watch it and I just spent the whole time being like holy shit I just miss all the characters yeah. and all the wonder and magic from those movies yeah. and I'm like I don't care about this Newt's Commander and yeah. America but I've revisited it now and I'm like no actually it's a pretty good movie it's pretty good so I Both was unfairly predicted I'm actually really looking forward to the third one like I mean people are giving them flack but I think they're giving them flack because they've committed to five movies without even releasing the first one, you know, like yeah, I see so go, people don't yeah. like being forced to bloody yeah, like yeah. don't make this a thing. But I'm like, no, give me more. Let us decide if I we want it. more. Now I wanted to just before we move on, like um, you you said a little bit about um, like Nicholas Fumel and like Rowling kind of pulled this mm. these elements that she pulled from history that have so that's when I was saying like that things are grounded in in reality in some sense, but they've got this fantasy twist on it. Even things like the the language and the spells and stuff, it's all like Latin, but they're all mean like those. Those words, like Lumos, that's like, that is Latin for light. Like, it's, it also makes you wonder if they actually learn Latin in school, because if they do, does that mean, like, <laughs> things are flying off the wall and shit as they're talking? <laughs> How does it work? I mean, but, that's, but, that's, a, that's a good question. Are they actually learning normal, real curriculum stuff? Like, are they learning English, language, yeah, English, yeah. mathematics? Can they learn Latin as normal, a second language? Like, or, I guess, normal muggle science. Like, are they mm. learning those things? And it sounds, I guess maybe not, but um, but yeah. I, I, so. always, I was always curious to that, like, because we only see you know a select few of like subjects, but they're all magical magic. It's like these kids are still young. Mm. It's like okay, cool, you can turn into like a frog or whatever, but can you multiply six by seven? Do you even know what that means? They're <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, we don't have to. Like they're all great <laughs> at magic, one. but they're all really dumb. <laughs> they're really, really stupid. Um, one thing, one. <laughs> One major element that we need to speak about before we get into, like, Voldemort and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, there is one class they go to, and it teaches them how to ride a broom. Oh, so cliche, like, witchcraft stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like broom riding. Up. It's fundamental. Up. up. And, again, you know, there's a bit of a bit of fun stuff here. Yeah. But, of course, that all leads <laughs> into... Funniest thing is... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Anyway, I mean, sorry. broomstick flying and stuff is all good and yeah, it's very entertaining, but mm. it leads us to Quidditch. Yes. The the um the game, the uh, the concept, the mm. the wonderful scene that we or scenes that we get of Quidditch, yeah. Harry Potter as a sequel a seeker. Yeah. To be fair, we don't really see much of the actual game. It's really just Harry chasing the the golden snitch to just mm. get uh, what is it, hundred bonus points or something, and which kind of just it's one fifty or something, isn't it? Oh yeah, one, and yeah. It something. Flips the it flips the points and ends up like usually wins it, but usually, although you can very, I think it, surely if a few you win, times in the books it flips, it goes the other way. Like, yeah. like if you win enough points doing the actual game stuff, mm. like surely hundred and fifty points, like it's like wow. Still haven't won because yeah. they have two hundred points in other stuff. Yeah, it's like stop him from getting a snitch. We need to get more points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but that's his. That's the one goal. But uh, look, mm-hmm. Quidditch is again part of the. You know, people play Quidditch like on a on a tennis court or a basketball court. You know, like obviously not with flying broomsticks, but <laughs> the same sort of running around. But they've got a broomstick and they've got a. There's a ball and all different balls. The seekers. The, I don't know what they're called, man. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> um, like you got a basher, you got a seeker, you got. 
Oh yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, is it like is it quibble something? Is it? I feel like a quibble no, is a ball. Oh, you mean the names of the things? Like the balls. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I, there's a golden stitch. That's all. Again, that's what this movie really focuses on. Yeah, bludger. Is a bludger a player or a oh, position? I can't, I can't remember. Or is it the ball? Doesn't matter. People who are like Harry Potter fans are listening to this being like, these guys don't know shit. And yes, you are correct. About this specific (laughs) stuff. But it's it's not the important shit, you know? Come on. We we told you, we weren't like full on Potterheads. Again, my wife, I could probably just go, I'm just going to call her. Hey, get in. Get in. But I mean, just going, you know, but talking about it, it's such a cool creative sport. Um, It's clearly got a grounding in, in, in like the real world now because of this. Um, and you know, we—I think we all, you know, as kids, you could just imagine yourself being that seeker, trying to you know get that snitch. You know that you could yeah. just imagine being that one. Who gives Harry his big, his amazing broomstick? Who gives it to him? Can you remember? The Nimbus Two Thousand. Yeah, you know it's a brand new bloody thing. Who buys it for him? Is it Quirrell? I don't think they tell you officially. It's like it's yeah. I have this memory of like we don't actually ever find out, and for the longest time, I always thought it was McGonagall for some reason. Huh. I might have just made that up. I thought it might be Quirrell because then he curses it afterwards as well. Right? Yeah, like he wanted into play. Mm. Does this movie? It could be Potterheads also listening to this going. Look, if no, you, it's clear. Yeah. If you knew it. but I'm like, I swear we don't. I don't recall ever actually finding it. it was a kind of like a mystery because I know. Mm. Doesn't he get like a Nimbus three thousand that like. Severus, Severus, not buys Severus. That for him. Um, yeah. Sirius Black, buys yeah, yeah, it for him. Severus, Severus. Yeah. <laughs> Sirius Black buys that for him afterwards. Yeah. yeah. If you guys listening know that, can you let us we're know? On, yeah, can you actually speak to us on our social media? <laughs> can you just get back to us because clearly we need a bit more bloody uh, guidance on this. Or stuff. is there something that refers to it and tells us at some point? It's definitely not in the Wikipedia page because I just looked, so don't worry that was, about that. <laughs> your, your four-minute search, but that's um, okay. Look, visually speaking as well, like that, the games there is. It's, it's actually pretty... Oh, look, they're pretty well done for the most part, but there is, there's a couple shots in this movie with mm. pretty shocking CGI where it does yeah. literally just become a cartoon. It's all very animated. Steven Spielberg would be pleased. There's like there's a few <laughs> shots where like Harry's on the wand and it's just, it starts flipping. And, I mean, it, it is, mm. it's 100% just a cartoon and it doesn't look great. Yeah. At the time, when I first watched it, like, I wouldn't have known sort of mm. thing, but you watch it now. We've got Blu-ray. It's yeah. all high death. It's crazy. It looks pretty bad. The jarring stuff for me is the troll scene. That's the one that the really sticks the, it out for me. Troll um, in the dungeon. Oh, it's like... Oh, it's perfect. Thing. That's my favourite gift to throw out there on troll social media. In the Whenever someone decides to perk up on social media and just... Ruin oh, a conversation. I'm like, get, is yeah, a troll yeah. in the dungeon? Get uh, him out. That's funny. But yeah, that's. Um, I'm a very funny a, man, Jason. Thank although, you. Yes. <laughs> although a fun, yeah, it's perfect for a Ravenclaw. Um, I don't even know if that's a. I don't know. Are Ravenclaws funny? I wouldn't think they would be. They are now. Um, mm. I feel like the Gryffindors are really funny ones. But um, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking out my ass. Funny looking. It's a fun scene, the troll in the dungeon. But that's yeah, of course that shot. <laughs> of it like the CGI just isn't up yeah. to scratch it's full CGI we're just can I can I say something so a little little bit of trivia around the special effects and, and this Chris Columbus himself uh, he said he actually didn't like it um, for the first uh, first film he said it was too rushed and it's not up to anybody's standards despite it being a 150 million dollar project Chris Columbus he said that himself and he said that future movies would do it better and you know you see the snake? What's this, the freaking snake called in Chamber of Secrets? A basilisk. Basilisk. That looks 
Mate, like, looks oh, great. Oh, and the, like, the yeah. spiders at the start of the second yeah. film, like... Looks fantastic. Dobby. But, but <laughs> here, he does, he admits it was, you know, it was it was fake. And so, that there was nearly 600 visual effects shots in the in the movie, but um, most, like, all of the creatures, um, and, you know, so Troll, the three-headed dog, the, you know, whatever else you see. I can't remember what else was in the first one. They're all blended. blended one mean, his name is Fluffy. Fluffy. <laughs> but they were all meant to be a mix of practical and CG. That's what yeah. they wanted to do. And Fluffy is my third one where I'm like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not great. Not great. Tell you what looks good though. The big drop of goo looks pretty cool. But anyway. Oh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Um, but either way, they, they went to a predominantly CG concept. And that's like, yeah. so when you're seeing the troll and Harry, like Harry's riding on the troll, it's like it looks. It looks doesn't look. That oh, great. again, yeah. He's sort yeah. of. I think he's it's being like flapping. About he's it, being yeah. like swung around. It's like but it's not. It's not. It, there, there is the there, physics aren't right. There's yeah. nothing there. Yeah. It's, it's empty digital space. Um, but I mean, there there are some great practical shots. You know, like when they're playing wizards chess. Mm. It's like it looks like that's a set. They're all real things. They're writing those pieces. Mm. Even the movement. They're exploding. Yeah, even in the movement when the one of the pieces you know gets out and just stabs the other one. That looks practical. It's not, but it does look practical, you know. Mm. And the sound design on it as well. It just sounds like metal and concrete scraping. And there are there are some smaller like CGI things, like you know, like Hagrid's. Is it Hagrid's dragon? His little little tiny dragon. Yeah, his little um, Norbert. Yeah. Yeah, the Norwegian whatever Ridgeback it is. Or whatever. Ridgeback. Yeah, we're no, done. No, Norwegian Ridgeback is a big one. No. I know, that's a Hungarian Horntail. Yeah, yeah. Norwegian <laughs> Ridgeback. Yeah, you're right. Hungarian Horntail. Is that a real thing? I feel like that's a real thing. Is that a spider? Oh, or is that know. a Harry Potter thing? We're talking about Harry Potter, man. That, that's, yeah, okay. That's, 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 the, that's the big fucking thing that, uh, I mean, that Harry has to fight in Goblet Fire. Don't get me wrong. It does sound like you're describing spiders in a, in, a, in Australia. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just a... saying. <laughs> like, oh man, I saw this giant like Norwegian Ridgeback spider <laughs> in my toilet. It was, you yeah, know, ate, it we, ate my cat. We fought, like, to, we fought to the death. <laughs> we fought to the I death. I lost a leg. We had a battle. <laughs> um, but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, so that's cute. He's, he's cute, little Norbert. Like, there's, there's a few, yeah. there's a few things, and from, you, know, you get things like the the moving stairs, like looks good. Yeah. The yeah. what they do with like the portraits on the wall, how they're moving and stuff. Mm. Um, nearly headless Nick, you know, like <laughs> yeah, is a ghost. They like yeah, they do well. You know, the floating candles in the. Uh, in so the I want to say that from a special effects point of view, they were practical in this movie. So were this, they? the ceiling what? is ceiling CG. But the candles in this movie, what? only this movie, they're practical. So they're, the they're little tubes candles, of right? oil with wicks in them, but they're on wires that bop up and down, so they actually are practically moving. Holy but shit! But <laughs> they did have, during this movie, or it might have been Chamber, I can't remember specifically where it happened, but, you know, they had one where it fell down, and, you know, you know, hot oil and fire and stuff. Didn't do much damage, but they were like, no, we're going to do them CG forevermore. So <laughs> this is the only movie in, this, in the franchise where they use the practical effects of burning candles in the Great Hall. How good is that? That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, and I don't know if that's for the extent, like, it might be just for specific scenes when there might be, like, maybe the camera might be moving past them or something. But either way, they did use practical effects for that. Mate, it still looked pretty magical and awe, like, just awe-inspiring. Do you have any other special effects sort of notes or statements? Um, I know that Hagrid... So, I was writing this down before, but Hagrid... um, his stand-in, so he had like a tall stand-in. <laughs> He's tall, Robbie man. Coltrane, but they had a prosthetic Robbie Coltrane head 
to be used like so just from side shots and stuff oh wow and that's actually on display in i think it's a um, not a museum like a, a museum of film in in london i think at the moment Whoa. so you can see robbie coltrane's prosthetic head because oh there's a, a tall standing had to hold it above him that's interesting yeah. you know i've been to i've been to london a couple of times right but I feel like no, I'm gone. I feel like talk it up. I'm just like no. It was your travel privilege over here. Oh, just years. <laughs> years bring, ago. Bring on January. <laughs> no, but I mean, like each time I've been to London, it's been like with like my parents or, yeah, or something. Yeah. So, but I think if I was to go back again, I, I guess like if I was with the wife or the kid as well, mm. I guess I feel like a big focus of it would be like Harry Potter hunting tour stuff like museums you yeah. know like the Diagon Alley sort of set up thing that they've got mm, the, like mm. the Harry Potter world stuff like I'd I would like to yeah I would I thought there'd be there'd be a lot of fun to have I think so oh but I don't know it might be too old for it now because that stuff was primarily built for kids to go visit do you know what I mean I, so I don't comprehend what you're trying to say like, what are you saying what are you, I, don't, I don't get it like, you are you... a Slytherin for sure <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna get this done um all right, look, the the one character we haven't really talked about at all, um, and this is where we'll sort of finish up, I guess, with the dissecting this movie, is, mm. I guess, Voldemort. But I, I guess for the most part, you know, queer, queerness, queerness, Quirrell, Quirrell, played by Ian Hart. Like, mm. sort of bit awkward, stuttering. Yeah. Um, you know, he does have a headpiece. And I did make a joke earlier to you off air, but I just thought I'm going to make it again because I feel like it's, it's, it's <laughs> a, the one character in this movie... Uh, and I'm, uh, this isn't my opinion. Uh, well, it's not. Uh, I guess it's just an observation. It's not an objective fact, to be honest. But yeah, the one character in this movie with some sort with a headpiece that you know does resemble like uh, a Middle Eastern type, mm. you know, Islamic sort of um, Tur- turban. turban type yeah. thing. The one character with that, I think it is a turban, is the bad guy harboring a little gremlin face of the of the reincarnation of or like the rebirth yeah. of the dark lord Voldemort mm. himself he who must not be named Voldemort Voldemort yeah like I'm like okay I'm Ravenclaw I, I mean I get I it I shy mean, away from that shit could have just been wearing a hat or have a wig but it was like <laughs> a, big no, beanie. <laughs> a big beanie a big beanie although well, he just starts moving <laughs> so, <laughs> so look like, just an observation the, it is an observation so the only the only character with any kind of um, cultural diversity aesthetically he's although still he's a white, white guy. dude he's still a white guy but he is the villain <laughs> so that's fun um I guess, <laughs> but, but could be also could completely misreading yeah. it. Completely, I mean, we so. we already spoke about like the the issue with like um, with with Snape, and I thought, oh, you know, like what's he up to? Blah blah blah. blah. And then all this time, it's been it's been Quirrell. Yeah. Um, big reveal. It's him. Um, yeah, the, the whole deal with like the Philosopher's Stone mm. again. It plays into a larger thing with like the um, I forget what they're called. Voldemort's like cursed objects and stuff mm. like that. What are there? Seven of them something Horcruxes. the Horcruxes there we go yeah. it was on the tip of my tongue somewhere but is there seven can't remember the seven, number seven six I'd be able to figure five. out if you count them if you actually said what they were you'd be able to figure I out I don't know isn't, isn't Harry Potter one or something yeah isn't, yeah that's the whole thing isn't Harry Potter one that's the main purpose of the last movie yes he is yeah and like that's the, the climax the, of the whole um, series like Voldemort's wand is one no okay the invisibility cloak is one. No. Okay, shit. Voldemort, so <laughs> Voldemort's wand and the, well, it's not Voldemort's wand, but he thinks it is. And invisibility, invisibility cloak, and then there's a ring. Isn't the elder, they're the, they're the elder they're, they're, one? They're, they're, they're the, 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 no, they're the, the Deathly Hallows. Oh, right. They're the ones what, that make oh, him invincible. Yeah. Yep. That's the yeah the death thing and stuff. Yeah. Like, the Deathly Hallows. The three. Sense, yeah. The three. The triangle, the circle, and the line. 
Do you not have a tattoo? I think your wife's got a tattoo. Do I not have a tattoo? No, I do not have a Harry Potter tattoo. We had this discussion at the start in regards to my 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 you're, you're, feeling of, of the franchise. It's not quite there. <laughs> like, but yes, my wife does have a Deathly Hallows tattoo. Yeah, cool. Which I don't really know if we're talking, you know, if this shit was real. What does that mean? What does that mean, really? I don't know. Like the mark of death on her. Also, once again, we're detracting from the movie the topic at hand which is you know the Philosopher's Stone which that none of the Deathly Hallows even exist oh well actually the the, the invisibility cloaks in this one so it starts here it does it begins but anyway um, any thoughts on Voldemort as such in the larger sense or Quirrell or like I mean I don't know it worked well in this movie big yeah. reveal I mean the Voldemort face we get he has a nose which they retcon <laughs> they do retcon it but overall though the aesthetic's kind of similar but yeah they get rid of his nose yeah. which and is it is silly. good to have Ray finds eventually in the role of Voldemort oh, he's he does perfect. come back this Harry Potter oh it's so it is really, he's a perfect for that role very good he probably needed a bit of uh, like lozenges at the end of each each day of filming Harry, Harry Potter Harry wait no the dark I don't even know what he says he says something anyway um, yeah. look, that's it for the movie we'll give a rating in a sec but I there do have a quiz as you guys know what we do 10 questions in approximately 60 seconds, probably longer depending on how long Rob takes to answer these questions, or I might just take a long time to read the questions. Don't know, whatever, but we'll read through them. You need to yeah. answer them. Are you ready? Yeah, always. Born ready. Born ready. Ravenclaw. Okay. Get it done. <laughs> Here we go, Mr. Ravenclaw. Absolutely. What street do the Dursleys live on? Prove it. Prove it drive? Yeah, correct. Yeah. What is the name of Harry's Owl? Uh, Hedwig. Correct. What is the name of the bank? Uh, Gringotts. Oh, correct. Yeah. What is the core? What is at the core of Harry's wand? Uh, isn't it a phoenix feather? Correct. Yeah. What wizard does Harry get in his chocolate frog? Oh shit, Nicholas Flamel? No. Oh, Dumbledore? No. I don't know. Just pick an answer. Dumbledore. Correct. Oh really? Oh right. Exposition, of course. <laughs> Who is the first? Student to be caught up at the sorting ceremony. The first one. No, I can't remember. Ron? It's not Ron. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what is the password to the Gryffindor common room? Fortuna Major? Or is that later? Must be later. No, no yeah, no, incorrect. Um, okay. Which noted alchemist is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone? Nicholas Flamel. Correct. What position does Hermione play in Wizard's Chess? Oh, hang on. She a castle? Correct. Yeah. Cool. I, was, I was expecting a rook, but that's fine. Yes, no, castle is... We, we, well, it's that. the yep. same thing, yeah. It is 100% the same thing. How many points do Gryffindor beat Slytherin by after Dumbledore gives out his last-minute points? 20. Incorrect. Fuck. Damn. You got 7 out of 10. It's not bad. In this series of quiz questions. Tell me what I got the wrong. The ones Go that on. you got wrong. Mm. Alright, the first to be caught up at the Sorting Hat Ceremony is Hermione Granger. Um, The password to the Gryffindor common room is um, Kaput Draconis. Probably saying that wrong. Kaput, isn't that that guy from that Amy ad, that insurance ad? (laughs) No, that's... um... Kaput? Australian joke for internationalists. (laughs) What are you talking about? Um, And Gryffindor win by 10 points. Fuck. I was going to say 10, but I was like, no. Nah, but you didn't. You said 20. 20. You said 20. But not too bad. So Fortuna Major wasn't what they said. So they definitely say Fortuna Major. 
Percy says that at some point, but it might be in the next movie. Maybe they change it for security reasons. Don't know. Might have been making that up. Fortuna Major might be in the third one even when she gets slashed. I don't know. Made out of five uh, VHS tapes. Are we still doing that? Yeah, <laughs> we definitely how are. Many, how many? Um, how many? What do you? I don't know. What do you? How many do you give this movie? <laughs> well, you know, if I'm going to just sum it all up, I think this movie is pretty amazing. Um, I think <laughs> it, it is a fantastic like launch vehicle for the franchise. And well, the things we were talking about before about how you know Harry sees this all for the first time. And we are literally Harry as well. It's like we're just along for the ride. Everything, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, you know, you are experiencing everything in real time with Harry because he asks the same questions that you will be asking, like, what did you just say? What is that? What is this? And, it's, and you know, that might be a little bit annoying after you've watched it a few times because you're like, shut up, Harry. It's something you don't realise until someone yeah. points it out. It's yeah. like, wow, he really does just do nothing but All ask All he does questions. is ask questions, but that's his purpose in this movie and I guess further along, but I think it changes as the um, the stakes get a bit higher and stuff. Anyway, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic for young people to watch this. So I would highly recommend, you know, listeners with kids who are approaching that, you know, the teenage years. <laughs> Mate, they're doing it. Don't worry. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, hope <laughs> they, I hope they are. I hope they are because we don't need to tell anyone. I hope they are because my next point about it is this is, I think it's still timeless in a way. What I would say is the special effects especially the CG stuff. That's the thing that dates it. Yes. And if I... If, if there's any negative about this movie, because all the characters are amazing, there's depth, the universe building's incredible, it's the CG that comes with this. Mm. And so for me, it's a four and a half out of five. Ooh, it just it loses just 0.5 because everything else is great. It's in fact almost perfect. The music, the the, the tone, it's, it's fun, especially if you're a kid. This movie's perfect for you. It's and that's why, like you have to admit, this franchise is just perfectly crafted to follow a person through their life. It's really, really well done. But it's four and a half for me. Yeah, you know, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. Like great, fantastic introductory movie. To You're very f- welcome to this one. Thank you. It was just meant to say this one. A great introduction to this series. Um, we're getting fantastic performances. I mean, mm. some of the kids. Other kids. Go. Some of the some of the kids. Like it can get into very like kiddie territory, but I mean that's that's given that's a fair thing mm. for like where like what part of the story we're at with this yeah. but like there is like I said there's so much like wow to this when you watch it you, know, mm. you can't feel nothing but being just enthralled in the magic no pun intended um, and like the wonder and, and all of that that's yeah. sort of happening um, I mean any sort of critique again like the like, yeah like some, not just one not just two but three four like pretty bad CGI moments yeah um, but look, that aside, that's something that dates it. Nothing like this because of its timely, like timelessness mm. of it all. The aesthetics, it's it's great. What a great scope in production. What a great story that we're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there's the there's the extended cut. There's the normal theatrical cut. I gotta say, like the movie can feel quite long. Mm. Um, this one and Chamber of the of, of Secrets is are, are the longer ones, and then they yeah. kind of get smaller and more streamlined, and they move the focus away from you know like the house points. That's the, like aspects of that, and it, it's probably not fair for me to critique it in mm-hmm. in this. But as a viewer now, for me, it's like watching them, you know, like get all like worried and concerned about mm-hmm. you know, oh, are we gonna win? Are we gonna win the house cup? Or like oh, I gotta make sure that mm-hmm. you know 
we don't sneak out at night and you know, yeah. like all oh, the forbidden woods and the restricted section of the library. Oh, it's all like, it's like, oh my God, like, yeah. no one really cares. Like, <laughs> but I mean, I, like for yeah. that, it's, as I get older, I'm like, there, those moments are harder to enjoy. Mm. But I mean, that's me just being pretty critical of it. And older. And just getting older and that's just yeah. a natural thing. But like you said, at the time, like growing up with this, like mm. what if, I almost wish I had watched the movies and you know, maybe if I was a better person, read the books as well. But I still feel like it's great to have that experience or have watched the movies and not know what the hell is actually going to happen. Mm. Like I was probably sitting in the cinema watching that last movie like what is going on? And everyone's mm. just like sitting there being like, don't want to get on with it. We know what's happening. We know what's happening. No, because no, <laughs> it was still, you're still excited going, are they going to do what they said? Oh, oh I was just going to happen. Oh my god! I no, but I literally had no yeah. idea, and it's like, oh, what? Like Neville Longbottom actually ended up being like almost like the true savior in mm. the battle. But um, it's like <laughs> I'm like what? Like that's crazy. But look, it all started with this movie, and it's always great to go back and enjoy it. Um, mm. I'm going to come a little bit lower than you to four out of five. Boom. Again, not my calm down. Four is still <laughs> a phenomenal score. Um, like out of these, out of the two, like Chris Columbus movies, like. I prefer Chamber of Secrets over this one, even though this one has so much charm and money. Like, I just, I think I'm going to save my thoughts on Chamber in case we do it. Chamber of Secrets, they just get into it. There's Stop more. Talking. There's just more time at Hogwarts. There's there's stuff. All the stuff of the best. I just really like Chamber of Secrets. There's stuff with like you know the, what's it, the the caretaker and his cat and stuff. Like it's just I like that. That's like pretty. they're just Ron and Harry are just constantly in trouble. It's so funny. And then when you talk like the more modern ones. It's like, like I said, Order of the Phoenix. I'm just like, when the kids start, you know, Dumbledore's army mm. and like, you know, they're doing things like their, their, their hormones are kicking in. You yeah. Know, like there's like romances getting, things are getting mm. awkward and they're... They, so relatable. And even like Half-Blood Prince with like the love potion and all that. Like oh, yeah. it gets into <laughs> weirder kind of territory. I'm having a bit more fun, mm. whereas it's harder to sort of relate to them chasing house points and it's like oh we got in trouble sorry yeah. I would like, say though right it's still great still great movie like know, fantastic but, but the first two films because they are child oriented the kids themselves are they're 11 and 12 years old right and so you know ideally the audience is also 11 and 12 or they're about that age and so their priorities are the kind of the same concept oh, 100%. it's only when and I agree when I was a teenager it was only when I was 13, 14, 15, 16 when I started going I don't really give a shit about school I'm doing it. Yeah. Clearly, I'm doing it. But I'll skip a unit, a, a, a period. <laughs> I don't really care. Or, you know, oh, I don't really want to go to school today. But it, you know, it, I'm going to go do that. Or, you know, no, no, 100%. Well, maybe I'm going to go. Yeah. Break and it's in, natural. I'll, I'll and go, it makes sense. Yeah, go check out part of the school I'm not meant to be in. But it's funny, like, the first two movies, obviously, being like the Chris Columbus ones, like, even though they're the most juvenile of, mm. like, storytelling and, like, um, what's actually happening, like, the juvenile thematics. Mm. They're they're probably the two most competently made movies, and I say that not to get like not to be too negative on the other future movies, but it's like in terms of scope, scale, yeah. um, quality production, the first two movies are really like up there. Yeah, with right. that. Where the rest, it's like they do enough to make good movies and good films and enjoyable yeah. and entertaining and stuff, and that's why I love them. And, and they still look good, but there is a certain. There's almost like a. There's just a next level of quality with these Chris Columbus ones, and hey, maybe it's John Williams. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe but it's like it. I don't know. They just they seem brighter and bigger and crazy, and then when you get darker, well, it's darker you go smaller grittier. because like, you're in you're in closer confinement, and it's mm. darker, and it's you know like and everything becomes a little bit less. 
I will say, like, Prisoner of Azkaban is actually my favourite out of the series. Yeah, and a lot so, of people, you know, like, the, you know, you've got the time travel, but you've got werewolves, it's all there. It's like I, think, I think the tone change is what really got me. Because yeah. it was kid, kid, and it was like, boom, hang on, now we're like, getting serious now. This movie's so blue. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's, um, that's it. That's it, I guess. That was our rewind to 2001, Harry Potter and the <sighs> Philosopher's Stone. 2001. Wow. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any Rewind re- uh, requests, they can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstudiopodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on either That Film Studio or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like mm-hmm. and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Yep. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. You can find our entire catalogue of episodes at thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. Yep. And if you're wondering what's uh, up next for Rewind and Review, take a listen to this. What are you thinking about when that buzzer's on for that line? What are you thinking about when the 15th round when you're coming out? Adrian! All right, so that will be pretty epic. Thank you for listening. This has been another Rewind and Review. See you on our next trip. See ya. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.